0: I am joined by runner Colin Turner. Colin has 20 years experience of running. He's done a lot of state and regional stuff, but Colin started experiencing some issues, some hurt and pain, and in his 30s, he couldn't run more than five miles. So he had to reinvent himself, and now he's getting ready to qualify for the Boston Marathon. So we're going to talk about that and all the things he's doing. So Colin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank
1: you, Curtis, for that introduction. I'm happy to talk with you.
0: Why don't you start off by giving the audience a little bit of background about yourself?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and I went from playing soccer to being on the track team. Uh, I was one of the fastest guys on the soccer team, but then became one of the slowest on the track team. And, you know, my first year, I would watch all the juniors and seniors just running faster than I could imagine. I ran the 400 and the 800, and it was slow and it took time. But by the time I was in, I was a senior, I was running a time I couldn't have imagined as a freshman and just loved that process of continual improvement and the slow uh, accumulation of skill and strength. So I kept running through college, and I wanted to keep running as a as an adult. It really is a great stress relief for me. It's great for my mental health, for my physical health, and I found that I wasn't able to. I I just kept getting hurt in my 30s. I had a different body than I did as a 19 or 20 year old, and uh, I had some unidentified issues that I had no idea were going on. And I just got so fed up that one day. I decided to throw out everything I thought I knew about running from my college and high school days and start over from the beginning and pretend I didn't know a thing about running and just do the research. What does the research say is the way to avoid injury, to heal from it, to protect our bodies and make us more durable and resilient? And I started doing that. And it's been several years for the past three years, I haven't had an injury that stopped me from running for longer than a week. And uh, I've been running half marathons consistently the last few years and I'm ready to move up to a marathon.
0: Well, what is a myth or something that people believe about running that isn't true in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I discovered a whole lot of them that I really had believed for a long time. One of them is that it's always better to run faster or longer. We tend to think runners tend to think faster and longer is always better. So you should be trying every run trying to run fast or run really long. And I learned that that is just not true. That we need a balance and that most of my runs were too hard and I should be running much easier. And then there were a few of my runs that should be harder. So I was running everything like in the middle. It was like medium hard when I needed easy days to recover and just let my legs warm up and stretch. And I needed to slow way down on those easy days. And then I needed some hard workout days, but I needed those to be targeted and specific and uh, treat them with a little bit of respect and reverence, like only do one hard day a week at first. So that's one myth uh, that I've found. I believe, and that a lot of people do. Another is just that running should be painful. Running should be hard. And if, it do, if it's not hard, if it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right, and you're not getting any benefit. That's definitely a myth out there. I just don't think that's true. I think running should feel good because it's an activity our bodies are made to do. Kids love to run. I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and they love to run. I can't stop them from running around the house, running around outside. They want to run around in the street, and I keep having to stop them because it feels good to them. And the more they run, the faster they get, and the more they like it. So that's how I want running to be for people, especially people coming back from an injury or people that want to run but feel like they can't. They have some dream they've wanted to do a big race, like even a 5K or a half marathon or a marathon but they feel like they can't do it because it hurts too bad, start by walking. Start by walk for five minutes, run for one minute, and then walk for five, run for one. That feels good. It's fine. You don't have to go out and run two miles on your first time out. Take it slow, have fun, and it should feel good.
0: What lessons did you learn when you were reinventing yourself as a runner and athlete?
1: I mean, I learned the lesson to let go of my past self, you know, like to, it was a lesson in humility that I'm not 20 anymore and my ego was all tied up with my running performance. I felt like if I couldn't go out and run six miles at eight minute pace and that feel easy, that... I'd gone downhill, I wasn't as good, I wasn't as strong and fast, and that that meant something about me, like I'd gotten slower and weaker, and that was bad. I had to just get over myself, let that go, and recognize that now I am the age I am, I'm in the body that I'm in, my body's in the shape that it's in, and I need to run according to that not according to some image that I have of myself from the past that no longer exists.
0: In your bio, you talked about having issues with depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Talk about your experience with that and how running helped you get through depression and anxiety.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially in this last year and a half when all of us were cut off From things that we do to take care of ourselves mentally. And when many of us experienced a loss that we were dealing with grief and that we couldn't do it together with our communities, that was really hard uh, for a lot of us. And for me, getting out into nature, onto some paths and going for a walk and running was a way for me to To slow down and see the bigger picture. And research shows that walking and running balance out your hormone system. So they they can help reduce cortisol, which is this hormone that we reduce when we're highly stressed uh, and when we're experiencing fear, anxiety, which a lot of us have been. And running helps balance that out with. Good hormones that make us feel good, like dopamine, serotonin. There's a phenomenon they call runner's high. This is a real thing. After a good run, you just feel great because those positive chemicals are going through your system, natural serotonin and dopamine, and you feel calm, happy, light. Like it's just all going to be okay. And I needed some extra, lots of extra of that feeling lately and running helps give me that.
0: When you were reinventing yourself as a runner and an athlete, talk about some of the barriers that you faced and had to overcome during that time. Yeah, one
1: one was that mental barrier that I talked about of needing to let go of my past self and reinvent myself like from scratch. From nothing. So, a lot of my prior knowledge was a barrier. I thought I knew what good running form was because I was a really good runner in college. I was fast. So, at first, when I learned that there were ways I could improve my running form, I resisted that and was like, no, I don't need to work on that. I'm fine. I just need to run more or I need to go lift weights and be stronger. I don't have to work on my technique. But I had to give that up and let go and learned there are some really easy things I could do. Cadence is one of them. Uh, It's something that runners don't often pay attention to. But how fast your feet are touching the ground, your steps per minute, is one very easy thing every runner could improve. If your cadence is less than 175 steps per minute, you can raise it the ideal cadence is between 175 and 180. And every professional runner, all of the elites are running at that level over 175, some as high as 180 to 184. That's a quick step rate if you try to go and do that now, but gradually ramp up and you'll find that running will feel a little easier. You'll have less of that feeling of pounding on the pavement. You won't feel like you're stomping. You'll feel quieter. Your, your feet shouldn't slap and make sound on the ground. That's not how we're designed. Our bodies are meant to be light and float over the ground. And to do that, you need a quicker step rate. So that was one thing. The barrier is letting go of the past.
0: A new runners. What other advice would you recommend for somebody who wants to get started in running or maybe even somebody who hasn't ran in years and they want to get back started? Yeah.
1: Yeah, first, take it slow and somehow make it fun would be the first thing I'd say. Like, listen to your favorite podcast or music when you go out. Uh, Go out with people. Find a friend who will walk with you and jog with you. Join a community running group. There's a running group in every town and every city in the United States and Canada, I'm sure, where you can go find people who run and just go meet people. And run with them. Um, another one is volunteer. There's a great program in Boston, uh, where I live. It's called Soul Train, and it helps young people learn how to run and provides a supportive environment for them to do that with adult volunteers. That's the first thing I'd say. Second, uh, walk. So if you if you are deconditioned completely, you haven't worked out or exercised in. More than a year, don't start by running. Start by walking. Go walk 30 minutes a day for a week, then bump that up to an hour. And once you can walk, you're building the muscles and you're building the stability that's going to allow you to run. Add running really slowly, add a minute every five. Then it's two minutes, maybe a four minute walk, two minute run. And then slowly you'll do three-minute walk, three-minute run. And eventually, I still do this. I'm training for a marathon, and I'll go out and do a run that's four minutes running and then one minute walking. That's completely okay to do. Walking is not weakness. Walking is taking care of yourself. So take it slow. Take it easy. Allow your body time to rest. Uh, And finally, the last thing I'd say, get sleep. It turns out runners talk a lot about recovery and all these magical powders and rollers and massaging and all of these things you can do for recovery, but it turns out the research says the number one thing that helps athletes recover is sleep. If you are not getting at least seven hours, better eight plus hours of sleep while you're trying to train, then nothing else you do will really work. Sleep is the number one thing. Number two is nutrition. So that's the advice I give.
0: Well, let's talk about the marathon that you're preparing Mm -hmm. for, the Boston Marathon. Tell people who might not know what that is and the things that you're doing and when you're going to be running in it.
1: Yeah, the Boston Marathon is a special thing. I moved to Boston 15 years ago and saw, you know, for one, it's the marathon that the elite runners want to run. It has some of the best runners in the entire world every year that come together for this race. And there are 25 to 30,000 other people running who either have qualified, which means they've run a time underneath the qualifying time for their age group, or there are charity runners who fundraise the average fundraising uh, amount for a charity runner in order to run in the Boston Marathon is $7,500 that they raise for charity. And every year, tens of millions get raised by people that run in the Boston Marathon. And they go to cancer research, and they go to organizations that help with either athletics uh, for young people or uh, with physical health. So it's just a wonderful organization. It's a really exciting run because you run through all these towns and the Boston Marathon is lined with tens, hundreds of thousands of people. There is no place in the entire marathon route where there's not fans. Five to 10 people deep, all the way cheering you on and yelling and holding signs and clapping. Uh, It's just an incredible environment with so much energy. And I wasn't going to do it this year. Uh, I was going to hold out For when I qualified. Qualifying time for my age right now is three hours and five minutes. And that's fast. That's running seven minute miles, seven flat for 26.2 miles. And I'm not in that kind of shape right now. I may be in a couple of years, but I'm not right now. And the opportunity just came up to run it this October. They moved it from April where it usually is to October because the organization that I just told you about, Soul Train, That I volunteered for. It turns out they have marathon bibs, and I could fundraise for that organization to run the Boston Marathon. And I thought, all right, this is too good an opportunity. They need people because I have heard that fundraising and charity running is down 400% this year because of COVID. And I realized that they really needed people for their fundraising goals. They have counted on the marathon for years to bring in a certain amount of money so i decided to go for it uh, a little bit of a risk a little bit of a jump and it's fulfilling a dream of mine i've always wanted to run boston and now i get to do it so i'm i am nervous i'm excited uh, i'm starting to put more mileage in slowly uh, onto my legs gradually ramping up from the half marathon shape that i know i'm in up to the full 26 miles of the marathon, and yeah, I've got to step out of my comfort zone a bit, both with my training physically, and also with, also mentally. I've committed to raising eight thousand dollars, and I'm not sure how that's going to happen. <laughs> so it's a, it's going to be an adventure, and I'm going to trust myself and my community to, uh, to step up and support.
0: Have you ever had a transcendent or spiritual experience while running? If so, can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll never forget a run that I went on in college where I was out by myself, no nobody else with me. Usually I'd run with the team, but on this particular day I went out on my own to run about 8 to 10 miles and I hit a stretch of road that was straight, flat and like beautiful blue sky, trees, birds singing and there was a moment there where I didn't exist. Like my body was gone and I couldn't feel my feet hitting the ground. I was just floating, like moving through space. And I don't know how long it lasted. Uh, I don't remember coming out of it, but I remember that feeling of just flying and being so effortless while running that I didn't even feel it. And there have, a few, there have been a few times when I've had those moments since. That's the most visceral one for me. Other times are the spiritual moments in nature, just being in, being on a winding path through the woods, like running on wood chips or pine needles and being the only sounds being my feet and the birds and wind in the trees. That's a spiritual moment for me every time.
0: You talked about several things that played a role in your reinvention. What role did technology play in your reinvention process?
1: Yeah, it it played a big role because I had to I had to follow the science. What the science says is efficient for a running stride. And to do that, you have to measure something. So, I learned that you can measure several different things in a runner's stride. You can measure how many steps per minute, like I talked about. So I got a watch that can beep at a particular rate. So it can train me to run at a particular cadence. It can also measure my cadence and tell me after the run what my cadence was. Another metric technology can show us is vertical oscillation. That's how much you bounce up and down while you run on every step. And the watches now can measure your vertical oscillation and tell you how much you're bouncing up and down. And you could probably guess more vertical oscillation is bad. Less is better because your energy wants to go forward when you're running, not spending energy going up and down and bouncing through space. So you want low vertical oscillation. You want high cadence 175 180 and you want high leg spring stiffness this is a measure a measured thing in running that i never knew about leg spring stiffness is how springy your legs are when you push off the ground when you're running i never even knew what that like that, that could be a thing that could be measured so through learning that i learned some drills and activities that i can do to improve my leg springiness, which makes me faster, makes running feel lighter and more, just more fun and quicker and also reduces injury. Because if you're springy and bouncy, then you're not slamming into the ground. You're not plodding. You're not like jumping from foot to foot and slamming into the ground, which sends force all the way up through your knees, your hips, into your back, and even up into your head. Uh, so that, those are a few things, but technology has really helped me dial in scientifically to measure my performance and to improve it.
0: Tell us about what a muscle imbalance is and how muscle imbalances affect runners.
1: Yeah, this was another blind spot that I didn't know about, but many people have what's called upper crossed syndrome. Or lower crossed syndrome. So, what this is, this is a chronic muscle imbalance where some of your muscles are shorter and some are longer. And that's an imbalance, or some are stronger and some are weaker. And that can be an imbalance. The really common one that people have that I discovered I have is called lower crossed syndrome. It's when we have weak abdominal muscles and weak gluteus muscles. And then at the same time, you have a tight lower back, the muscles that contract your lower back and you have tight hip flexors, which are these muscles in the front of your legs. They connect to your hips and they help you lift your knees up while you walk or run. So tight hip flexors and tight lower back. What that does is pulls your pelvis. So it tilts forward and you end up having that belly sticking out and the butt sticking out in the back that chronically Uh, being part of your posture, that puts a lot of pressure on the lower back and can result in a herniated disc. And your tight hip flexors can result in knee pain because your hips are connected directly to your knees with tendons, muscles. Tight in one place means it's also pulling in another place. Your hip flexors connected to your knees pull on those knees and that's why we get knee pain. So I had to learn first what that is and then learn How to correct it and how to slowly correct the muscle imbalance, which is two things get stronger in the abdominals and the glute. So I started doing a lot of core work, a lot of uh, leg extensions, squats. I started to do with heavy weight to activate my glutes and get them firing again. They had become really weak. And then at the same time, stretch my hip flexors. There are some really great specific stretches that I'll do after every run. Just to try and lengthen and relax those hip flexors, and it's definitely gotten better. It's been a few years that I've been working on these, and my lower cross syndrome has improved. I still have it a little bit, and I've still got to keep working on it. But that's one that few people even know exists as a diagnosable condition, uh, and don't know that muscles can be imbalanced in this way. So that's part of what I want to do with my course: is teach people to recognize those and teach them really easy and specific exercises they can do to correct it.
0: Speaking of your course, tell people about your course and also tell us that when you coach people, you coach in a group format. Why is that? I would have thought it would have been better to coach one-on-one and do individual plans.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you about the course. So I'm also a teacher. My career for 10 years now has been as a public school teacher, and I teach history and uh, reading, writing uh, in middle school. And that's what I love. It's my passion. That's my vocation. And I'm going to continue teaching, but part-time starting next year, I'm going half-time so that I can focus on this course. And as I was relearning and reinventing myself and running, I realized that I could put together What I had learned in a logical and clear way, I learned it all just by reading random things and slowly putting together these concepts, but my teacher brain went, oh, you could make a unit. You could make this a whole curriculum with a syllabus and with lessons and videos and homework and everything, and could actually teach people in a much easier way than what I had to go through. What is a muscle imbalance? How do I improve my running form? How do I do strength training? Uh, that won't make me hurt or won't make me too muscular and heavy to run. All these things that I wish I had known, I've put into a 12-week course. And the reason I want to do this as a group is a couple things. One, as a group, I can charge a lot less for the course. If I'm doing one-on-one, I have to charge quite a lot, like $90 to $100 an hour for my time to make it worthwhile for me and actually make it sustainable so I can you know, support my family. But if I do this as a group, I can co- coach more people in less time because I can make a video and put it up and everyone can view it. I can do a group call where everybody gets to be together. And so that's the first reason. It makes it less expensive uh, for people and I want it to be accessible for everybody. The second reason is people work together in groups in a very different way than one-on-one. I know this as a teacher, When I give students a creative assignment and I give it to them individually, they don't come up with nearly as many creative, interesting solutions to a problem than when I put them in a group of at least four people. That's when magical things happen. They have ideas that they never would have had by talking it through with someone. There's an atmosphere of camaraderie and support and togetherness that I want to be part of this course, so people can post their runs and their workouts and inspire each other, support each other. We can have group calls together where, you know how someone asks a question that you didn't think to ask, but now that somebody else asked it, you realize you had the same question and you're really interested in the answer and you're so glad they asked that because you never would have thought to ask it. That's why group atmosphere is so great And yeah, one-on-one is good. And I'm still doing some one-on-one. Everybody in the course will have access to me as their coach during the course. But for the most part, you're interacting with a group, learning and growing together and going through the course material with other people.
0: Speaking of group events, running is considered a solo sport. So how can running be used to be a community building event?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, like I talked about, join a running group in your town. Um, they run at all different times of day. Some run early in the morning, like 6 a.m., some are evening, 6 or 7 p.m. They'll run weekend mornings uh, if you're really busy during the week and just get together and run in a group. It's a really beautiful thing. And the other one is, uh, is volunteering. I really found community in volunteering for Soul Train with other adults who are who either wanted to become runners or they already were, and they wanted to share their love of running with young people, and then getting to be alongside a young person who doesn't think of themselves as a runner, uh, you know, who thinks they could never run a whole mile, getting to do a race with them where they run three miles, they run a 5K after just a few months of coming to practice a couple times a week. That's just an amazing experience. And I want people to have that kind of experience running. It can be really lonely because it is a sport you can do by yourself. But I, I also think it can be a wonderful thing to bring people together.
0: How can people get in touch with you, throw out your contact information and how people can purchase your course and tell us about any other things you're working on besides your course?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The best way is through my website. It's Turner Fitness Coaching com just Turner Fitness Coaching. And I don't actually allow people to purchase it on the website. And I know if I hired a marketing manager, they probably would be upset about that and would tell me I had to. But I actually don't want somebody that I've never talked to and I don't know to just sign up for the course randomly. I want to talk to you and I want to know what your running history is and make it a mutual decision. Like this is a good fit. I've spoken with you. You've gotten to hear directly from me about the course, ask your questions, get answers, and then I can share with you, you know, how we can make it affordable for you if it's something you want to do. So, it, the way to get in touch with me is go to that website and fill out the contact form, and I'll get in touch with you. Or there are links on a couple pages in the site to schedule a call with me. My schedule is directly on the site. So, you can just click on a time that works for you. Uh, I have daytimes, and I have some evening hours. And you can just schedule a 30-minute call and we'll chat. I want to learn about you and get to know you a little bit. And then that's how you can register in the course.
0: you have any final thoughts for people before we close it out?
1: Um, just for people that have have some kind of secret dream. You know how people have something that they've always wanted to do, but haven't really told anybody or haven't admitted and think that it's just not possible. Um, If you are one of those people that has a running dream, go for it. Start slow and listen to your body, but your body can do amazing, incredible things. And don't wait any longer. Every year, our bodies get older, as I know very well, and they, uh, they aren't as capable if we don't train and work on them. So start now. Uh, And a course is a perfect way to start. That's who I really want to help is people who love to run and want to do it or have a secret running dream, but they aren't sure how to go about it. Go for it.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Colin Turner at turnerfitnesscoaching.com. Be sure to check out the website. Colin, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much. This is great.
0: And listeners. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share after listening. And Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.